The China and Africa podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Africa-China Reporting Project at Witt University in Johannesburg. The ACRP promotes balanced, considered reporting on Africa-China relations through innovative training programs held throughout the year. More information at africachinareporting.co.za. Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden, a senior China-Africa researcher at the South African Institute of International Affairs in Johannesburg, South Africa. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. Kobus, today we're going to be talking about China-Africa relations in a much more personal context. Normally on the program, we talk about geopolitics, economics, international relations, diplomacy, the big issues. The problem is, is that in those bigger discussions, oftentimes the humanity gets lost. And here in China, it's very, very easy to have a very distorted view of Africa for a number of different reasons. Number one, because it's very, very far away. Uh, the perceptions that people have in China of Africa oftentimes are shaped by mass media, which is not surprising because that's the way it is uh, all over the world. But then you have this added factor on top of it because of the heavy government censorship of news. So the narratives that are conveyed through media oftentimes are party or government driven. So all of that together gives this very, very... I don't want to say distorted, but very simplistic view of Africa. And so some of the images that people think about when you see when you think about Africa are the typical ones. Uh, when we think of Africa here in China, it is either safari, dancing children, it is war, famine, AIDS, development, and now more and more it is military. The Chinese military uh, is being used in movies like Wolf Warrior and showing how they're going in and saving people and the Chinese Navy is coming to the rescue in Africa. So all of those images are highly distortive in some ways of the reality. And what's interesting, Kobus, is the fact that now there's a new generation of young Chinese vloggers. Those are video bloggers on social media in Africa who are creating content around Africa and trying to break through some of these big mass media narratives. And so that's going to be really, really interesting because it's going to challenge the media stereotypes in ways that I think traditional media really isn't prepared for. It also opens the possibility for back and forth on a person-to-person -person basis between Chinese people and African people. Um, you know, because I think the, the problem of, of seeing, seeing the other as a kind of big monolith is just as serious in Africa as it is in China. You know, Africans, I think, have very, I frequently have very simplistic views of, of what China is. Um, and I think this, this kind of work opens the opportunity to actually get a more personal view and then to actually connect in, in, real, in real time. So let, let me give you a little flavor of some of the things that are, are out there right now. Uh, there is a, a, a I, don't, I don't know her. She hasn't been blogging very long, it looks like, or vlogging very long. Uh, but Fejo Moli, which is African Jasmine, is, uh, she has a channel on YouTube and she's just started posting videos. And in preparation for today's show, I went looking out for various bloggers and vloggers and I came across her. She's, she's just, she seems very eccentric and she's all over Africa kind of talking to different people. And in this little segment I want to play for you, she's talking to a dance troupe in South Africa. And here she gets this first interaction with some of the dancers and they're kind of exchanging pleasantries. And you'll hear some of the, the missing, the, so, well, let's play the audio and you'll hear what we say. That's Japanese. Oh, is that okay. Japanese? So, uh, shishini, nihame. 
Yeah, I think those are the few words I know how to say. So, uh, shishini. Yes, do you know what that means? Do you know where I'm at? Is that hello or goodbye or how are you doing? Nihame is how you doing, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, shishini is hello. Shishini is thank you. Oh, so. So, so when you bow like that, you say. Shishini? Oh, very good. Very good. Oh, thank you so much. Where, where did you learn it? Uh, rush hour. Rush hour? In the plane. <laughs> with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Shishini. <laughs> So Kobus, there you are, Japanese, konnichiwa, not Chinese, you know, here in Asia, that would be a really dreadful mistake to make, but it's part of the innocence that exists in understanding these very complex cultural things that a lot of people uh, just are not that sophisticated about, but her very, very personal style of interacting with the different people to me is just so compelling. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> it, it takes a particular kind of personality to not be offended by that kind of mistake, you know, and to, to just like to plow on and to just to just start dismantling some of the, mis the misperceptions. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's so good that that those people are actually working now. Yeah, I mean, when you are a foreigner in a foreign land, you have to have a certain degree of patience with these kinds of things and really a, a great spirit. And I also want to introduce you to another vlogger, uh, Zhao Huiling, and she st first started her, you know, her blog in 2019. And, and let me just kind of open up with the introduction. Now, it's in Chinese, and she's speaking to a Chinese audience here. And, and in, in this opening segment on her first vlog, she says, in 2019, I only have one wish, to take you along with me to see Africa. 就是带你去看一下非洲 So Huiling in Africa is the channel. I think there's no better way to introduce Huiling than from her Instagram introduction on her Instagram pro profile. I love this. Born in Shanghai, raised in Ghana, educated in the U.S., curator of Huiling Dainifei, which is Huiling Takes You to Africa. So joining us today from Shanghai, China, right down the street from me is Zhao Huiling, a vlogger from Africa. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited to have you and congratulations on the new vlog. Thank you, guys, and thank you for having me. So Huiling in Africa, we'll, we'll say this a couple times throughout the show. You do this both in Chinese and with English subtitles. So for our listeners in outside of China, outside of the Great Firewall, who don't speak Chinese, you're going to want to go to YouTube and find uh, Huiling in Africa. That's H-U-I-L-I-N-G-I-N Africa. So that's the start. But so tell me a little bit about Huiling. What inspired you and a little bit about your background to launch a video blog about your experiences in Africa? Sure. Uh, so this will have to go you know, a couple of decades back in time. <laughs> That's when my story with Africa really started. So I'm born in Shanghai, 100% Chinese. Um, when I was 12, my parents moved to Ghana. So that's in West Africa, teeny tiny little country next to Togo, Nigeria. And I have lived in Ghana up until I was 18. I went to the States for university, later on worked in New York, then came back to Shanghai about six years ago. Now, I have been asked a lot of <laughs> really interesting questions along the years after I explained my background of being raised in, in Ghana. 
Um, and more and more, what I find in China is uh, an increase of curiosity, at least of my peers, on the subject of Africa. But unfortunately, you know, a lot of the coverage from the media out there is still very singular in terms of the story they're trying to tell. People see my post when I go back to Africa and they ask, okay, oh my God, I never expected this to, to, to be, you know, coming out of something of Africa. So tell us, what did you do? Where did you go? Who did you hang out with? What activities did you participate? So it started, the vlog itself started from a very simple idea of documenting my travels. So really people are seeing Africa through my lens. Um, and of course, another very big um, add-on to my vlog is the cultural and the artistic aspect. Because I think... Like Eric, you mentioned earlier, we talk about the big picture a lot in the main media. But when it comes down to it, you know, there is a great and vibrant creative scene happening in a lot of the countries in Africa. So that's what I want to showcase. I think this will also be a very uh, great topic to connect with, with the millennials, people around me who are creatives, who are in advertising industry, they're producers. So they definitely relate to beauty, to arts across across continents. So that's always something I try to use to connect with my audience. So when you speak with Chinese people about having spent so much time in Ghana, what are some of the main questions and some of the main misperceptions that come up? Okay, so I was really faced with all these stereotypes after I left Ghana. <laughs> you know, after I went to the States for universities, and obviously I'm kind of throwing out the far extremes of, uh, of a bunch of questions I get asked. Some I've been asked if I live in trees, if uh, there are cars, <laughs> you know, if, uh, if we have lions as our pets. So people really have no idea what to what to even expect when they when when they say Africa and this is in the United States. So coming coming back to 2019, um, I think obviously people don't think we live in trees anymore. <laughs> but uh, my purpose through the vlogs is to add different dimensions to their expectation or to their imagination of Africa when they think about that. So the vlog now got underway uh, earlier in 2019. That was the opening line of your first vlog that you wanted to take people with you. And let's be very specific here. You want to take Chinese people. You're doing this primarily for a Chinese audience on Chinese social media. The fact that you put the English subtitles is really just a bonus for those of us on the outside who want to understand the dialogue that's going on within Chinese social media. So you're three episodes into your vlog what has been the reaction so far from uh, people online to the different topics that you've covered over these three episodes? So I'm um, fifth episode up until today. Fifth. I just okay, launched. <laughs> I just good. launched fifth my episode. fifth one. Um, so, like you said, the English was there really to kind of like reach a foreign audience. Now, amongst the Chinese, which is my main target, uh, I have just had a tremendous amount of positive feedback and. You know, it's 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 connecting people in ways that I have never imagined. The first vlog I posted, which was really um, kind of like a talking head video of me explaining my background of growing up in Africa, of my inspiration to start this project. I had this guy sending me a message and saying, oh, my God, it's so wonderful to realize after all these years, 
I am not alone. I am Shanghainese. I was raised in Ghana as well, but different from you, I went to school in Switzerland, and now I'm back in Shanghai. This is amazing. You know, he he felt like someone would someone had a voice to tell his story as well.、Um, from the bigger audience of the Chinese, everybody is telling me that they never they they they've never imagined there's all these artistic things going on. Everybody is very interested to find out when I'm going back again and if there's any way they can come along、um, to be part of the trip. So, of the of the different aspects of African life that you show, you know, you you mentioned, you know, obviously there's there's some tourism aspects, and then you mentioned a lot of、uh, pop culture and the the work of of young African creatives. Which parts of African life do、um, your respondents find the most interesting? This is a very interesting question because、um, I think there are a lot of topics I would love to explore. Some might be. A bit heavier than others,、um, but I think understanding how the Chinese audience works. So, for example, just to just to take something for example, my last episode was about the food culture in Kenya, and、um, you definitely see the underlying influence of the cultural aspect because、um, the Arabesque and the Swahili culture is a huge part of Kenyan food cuisine. So, using that to pivot to showcase. Um, the food culture in Kenya was very interesting to see people's response,、um, and I, I I think Chinese people definitely have things they respond better than others. For example, food is one as I've found out.、Uh, they love food. They have a great response to food. Anytime I post something like that, and just to take into consideration the audience I'm talking to, something related to fashion. Is another topic I've realized they respond greatly to. So I wear a lot of,、um, you know, funky African jewelries, accessories. People have commented about it. People have actually requested I do a vlog specifically to cover、um, these items. So that's what I'm I'm going to do. You know, I think it comes down to talking about things people can relate themselves participating in. Support for this podcast comes from the Africa Channel Reporting Project at Wits University School of Journalism in Johannesburg. The ACRP provides reporting grants, workshops, and other professional development opportunities for both African and Chinese journalists. Follow the ACRP on Twitter at Wits China Africa or visit africachannelreporting.co.za for information about grants and upcoming seminars. You know. I don't blame Chinese people for having very stereotypical、uh, views of Africa because I think most people have very limited understanding of other people halfway around the world. The same as as we heard in the clip at the top of the show, you know, this young man is saying "konnichiwa" to a Chinese person. He doesn't know the difference. I hear from my friends in the United States; they think that you know. China is this horrific place where there's human rights violations everywhere, and bicycles are everywhere. Well, actually, there are bicycles everywhere, but not the old style <laughs> bicycles. There's the、uh, right. the mow bikes and the the you know all those around. But they have these very typical, stereotypical, anachronistic views, oftentimes, and that's just that's human nature. That is the way it is.、Um, but I'm curious to kind of go one step further with you to understand some of the differences in how people perceive Africa, because I've noticed that. 
younger people have a very different perception than older people. And this is the true, I think this is true also in other countries as well. Whereas older people tend to hold on to those more traditional stereotypes of, you know, living in trees, safaris, you know, all those kinds of things. And younger people who are on social media who are traveling more, and I'll say this because some of my employees in, in where I work, they really, uh, they're, they're going all over the world. And several of my employees in the time that I've been in my company um, have traveled to Egypt, to Tunisia, and to Kenya, mm-hmm. which is remarkable. And people, there's a, there's a desire on the part of younger travelers to have more experiences, whereas older travelers will do the, you know, 10 countries in seven days. They get out, they take their pictures, they go back in, they go to the Chinese buffet, they get back in the bus, and basta, pasta, they're done. Whereas mm-hmm. younger travelers really want to immerse themselves much more. They're not going on group travels as much. They're going by themselves. They're really trying to, to immerse themselves in local cultures and whatnot. So I want talk to me a little bit about some of the differences that you have picked up in between older and younger generation Chinese as it relates to their perceptions of Africa. I think, like you said, definitely the, the, the older generation have a bit more of a difficult time to kind of come out of their shell of of the way they used to travel. Now, the younger generation, I cannot tell you the extent they will go to to look for that thrill. You know, it comes down to looking for an adventure, going into the unknown. The older generation, they're a bit more cautious. They want to do something. They, 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 they know what's going to happen. That's also why they stick to the groups. It's the feeling of the security. Uh, now, the, ju- the younger generation's they're exploring more and more into Africa because of that thrill they're looking for. But, but I think when you take a step back, yes, there are more people going into Africa, but the perception of going to Africa as a traveling destination is still quite fearful for a lot of my peers, you know, and, and we're talking about guys who have traveled the world, US, Europe, uh, Southeast Asia, they've been everywhere in the world. But somehow when it comes to Africa, it's almost like they don't know how to start. Definitely, uh, in the previous couple of years, we've seen a drastic increase of Chinese going to Africa in terms of tourism. But I think that the market is still very much um, to be explored. And what I'm doing is helping people to see, you know, the fun activities they can do in Africa other than just a safari. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there's, you know, the the youth market in Africa is really exploding. You know, so if if one if one is living here, you really see, you see how vibrant something like the music market is Absolutely. in a place like South Africa, or the fa- the fashion industry in South Africa is really really interesting. They do really interesting stuff, um, but I think a lot of it has not really been been kind of beamed out into the world. So this 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 works really valuable. Um, if you um, if you speak to young travelers who are interested in going to Africa but don't really know where to start, as as you said, um, what do you advise right. them? Like what what are what are some of the the first steps in order to to have a, a nice and fun and interesting African experience for an, an African newbie? So I really think on the in West Africa, Ghana, Senegal are good places to start. East Africa, I think Kenya, Tanzania. 
in terms of infrastructure, it's 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 already quite developed. Yeah, they're they're used to receiving foreign tourists, and you have lots of beautiful landscapes as well as curated activities over there that you can readily just you know jump on board and start start going along with. Um, I think these are easy destinations. South Africa definitely. Um, there's been there's there's a Burning Man regional Burning Man happening in South Africa in a couple of months. There has just been a huge design conference in South Africa as well. So that's always a nice, easy place to start. So yeah, I think those are very, very good um, destinations to start with if you're a newbie. So you're five episodes into your series now. How many do you plan to do and where do you hope this vlog takes you? What's the goal of all of this? <sighs> good question. I've been thinking about that as well. <laughs> It's a million dollar question. So I'm definitely, I'm, I'm definitely um, still quite new to this whole social media process. I'm on the fifth blog. I recently just came back from a trip in Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda. So the footage I have from that trip will probably carry me through for about two, three months in terms of, uh, in terms of the content I need. And once that's done, I need to go back thinking about Tanzania, I'm thinking about Namibia for my next trip. In the long-term projection, to be honest, I really don't know where this is going to go. I think uh, at this stage, it's very interesting to see how people respond to different topics. So I know food, definitely a hit. Um, Fashion-related uh, fashion related content, also very popular. It can also become, you know, a, a very good branding to create interesting travel experiences, very exclusive for smaller groups of people. Because at the end of the day, my advantage for 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 you, if you were going to Kenya, for example, compared to if you went with sea trip, is my behind the scene resources, right? I can. Um, I can get you to go for a tour of an entrepreneur who has a recycling factory in Kenya. I can get you to speak to the artists who are putting on the hottest concerts. So again, these are these are where my strengths are. So I'm thinking if these resources can be connected in such a way to curate a very interesting trip for for the people who are my viewers. Well, I would go on that trip. Uh, for, for those of you <laughs> not familiar, Sea Trip is the big online uh, travel agency here in China that most of the people use when they go abroad and they organize these kind of big package tours. I think uh, Huiling, this idea of creating bespoke tours for small groups of people that are off the beaten path uh, is just really a fantastic. It's just such a great idea. I just I know there's a lot of people with huge amounts of money here who are looking for opportunities to do, you know, incredible experiences. And I think, you know, to what we were talking about at the top of the show is this idea of creating uh, personal interactions. And when the tour buses go into the safari uh, kind of campgrounds, they don't really interact with people. You you get off the bus, you take a picture of the, of the giraffe, you get back on the bus, go to the souvenir shop and out you go. And I love what you're doing, which is trying to facilitate, you know, reactions and interactions with people much like what you're doing on your on your vlog and you your episode three, I think it was. I'm all off in my numbers, but uh, I think it was episode three where you were hanging out with your BFFs in uh, in Nairobi. And, you know, it just is great to see people just having fun and not 
talking about the heavy stuff. And I think we need so much more of that. So uh, congratulations. We're big fans. We're going to follow everything that you do. And we'd love for you to come back and (laughs) kind of keep us informed on what you're doing. Because I know a lot of our listeners are going to be interested in this as well. Because this is a relatively new phenomenon here. People are not accustomed to seeing Chinese vloggers uh, talk about these things. And the fact that you've added English is really super cool. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Can you do me a favor and tell us again for our English speaking audience, uh, where should people follow you on Instagram and YouTube if they want to stay on top of all of your adventures? Okay, so currently I am present on Instagram as Huiling Z1. So that spells out to be H-U-I-L-I-N-G-Z, as in zebra, one, the digit. So that's the Instagram. Now on YouTube, where I also post my vlogs weekly, um, that's Huiling in Africa. As simple as that. Huiling in Africa, H-U-I-L-I-N-G, in Africa. Uh, All of the episodes are there. She's a little bit behind on the... Uh, on the English one, because it takes a lot of time <laughs> to translate and add the subtitles. So we all have to be patient in terms of waiting for the English ones. But if you subscribe and get notifications on YouTube, you will be able to get them. I really encourage everybody to follow this. And again, it adds a totally different dimension to your understanding of China-Africa relations when you see it on this very, very intimate human level. Uh, so once again, congratulations, Huiling. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're looking forward to following your next adventures throughout Africa. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. Huiling is the kind of person that just gives me so much optimism about the future. And I think in the sense that when you look at the the trade relationship, at the politics, at the questions of surveillance, at the debt issues, predatory lending, all of these things that you and I cover every single day for the China Africa Project, those are all real and important. And I don't want to take anything away from it. And what one vlogger is doing doesn't solve all of the misunderstandings and the problems that exist between China and Africa. But it is so important that we look at this relationship as a human-to-human thing and to de-link it from the the Chinese and, and Africans, you know, those big words that don't actually mean anything for a population of almost 2 billion people. So in that sense, I hope we're going to see a lot more Huilings out there and Moli Feijos, and we're going to see more African bloggers in China talking about their experience. All these students who are here, kind of who are also posting onto social media, and I think another show we're going to do is from the African side looking at China with people like Wodamaya, who is a very popular YouTuber uh, from Ghana, uh, known as, I think, Mr. Ghana Baby. He's very, very famous and has a big following. Uh, And, you know, to get that perspective as well, because I think it's really, really important to understand how the young generation is viewing this, particularly in how they're using social media to convey these these experiences that they have that are real and legitimate and powerful. Yeah, I completely agree. It's really, really inspiring. And it's it's also very fun to see how she sees Africa and the, the, the way the perspectives on Africa that she highlights, you know, because it's so different from how Africa is usually discussed. And there's not there's big parts of African life that is that never come on the radar screen, you know, for the international press. Just just for example, 
South Africa is now one of the biggest producers of house music in the world. Um, you know, now if, if you think about, you know, kind of like like electronic dance music, you always think, you know, Scandinavia, like Berlin, you know, that kind of thing. South Africa is one of the biggest producers in terms of numbers of tracks in the world. And South African, you know, dance music is played in clubs everywhere, like in, in major cities around the world. So it's it's something that you never see about Africa, you know. Kind of, it's, there's this kind of sophisticated creative culture that that is really exploding everywhere. That is generally completely people are unaware of, you know. Kind of, so it's, it's really fun that people are starting to highlight some of this, some of this stuff, and actually making these connections. And it's neat too that she mentioned food, and it's not surprising that Chinese viewers. Uh, you know, really like food. I mean, this is a culture that is more food obsessed than I've seen anywhere else in the world. You you want to really, you know, have a good conversation with a Chinese person, talk about the the local food. And, and the fact that they are, uh, you, you know, that's what's of interest. That in my whole life growing up in the United States, food, African food was never something that ever rose into the narrative. And so to me, that's really neat. And you see a different perspective looking at it from a Chinese uh, viewpoint than you do, say, from the traditional Western viewpoints, which have been much more dominant up until now. But social media is breaking all of that down. So so follow Hui Ling. We'll put posts to Hui Ling and Molly Feijo and, and Ghana Baby. We'll put those in the show notes and we'll put them in our story. And if you guys uh, want some more suggestions on these, if you're doing research on this, if you want to try and get in touch with people uh, that we come in contact with, send us an email, eric at China Africa Project. You can reach Cobus at cobus at chinaafricaproject.com. Uh, both of us are responding to emails very, very quickly. We're all caught up now, so we love really interacting with everybody. So if you, and again, just check out these links. It's really a very, very fresh new way of seeing China-Africa relations. So we hope that you enjoy it as much as we do. So that'll do it for this edition of the China in Africa podcast. For Cobus Venstaden, I'm Eric Olander. We'll be back again next week with another show. Thanks so much for listening. The discussion continues online. Head over to facebook.com slash China Africa Project to share your thoughts on today's show. The guys are also on Twitter, where you can find Gwobas at Stadinsky or Eric at E. Olander. And be sure to sign up for the weekly China and Africa email newsletter by going to www.chinaafricaproject.com. <laughs>